0: Today's podcast is brought to you by the American Society of Human Genetics, supporting scientific discovery, education, and advocacy by human genetics specialists worldwide.
1: From
2: the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is CQ Now, your nonpartisan news source for how the inside workings of Congress and the federal government shape the real world. Donald Trump heads to Capitol Hill on Thursday to meet with Republican congressional leaders. Will Paul Ryan and company acknowledge his power over the GOP, talk about unity, or will they try to change the subject? Meanwhile, the House is making its most serious effort yet to address the prescription drug epidemic, voting on bills that address doctors' overprescribing of painkillers, remedies for overdoses, as well as legal remedies concerning opioid abuse. I'm Adriel Betelheim with CQ Roll Call, joined by senior political reporter Alex Rorty and by health editor Rebecca Adams. Alex, uh, Donald Trump is going to have a very interesting meeting with Republican congressional leaders tomorrow, and you could see a number of ways this could transpire. You could see meticulously prepared House Speaker Paul Ryan, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, wanting to tick through issues like taxes and trade. You could see things also going
1: off the rails as soon as he opens his mouth. What do you think is going to happen? There's going to be some awkwardness on the inside. There's also going to be a total circus on the outside at the Capitol tomorrow when, as you described, he meets with with Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. Um, This is a presumptive Republican nominee who, by his own admission, is not interested in in the details of policy. And it certainly hasn't been a focus of his campaign beyond building a towering wall on our our southern border. I envision this a little bit like two people being set up by their friends for a date, and and neither is really all that um, excited about the prospect. I mean Donald Trump in a lot of ways has run against the quote-unquote Republican establishment led by Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. And, of course, Ryan has been hesitant to endorse um, and embrace Donald Trump. And we're really not sure what position he's going to take even after the meeting. He said he's never met Trump. And you have to remember this just on a a personal level. These are people who have never met before. They've certainly said plenty about one another in the press, but they've never met. You, You throw in just the circus of this and the importance of this event. I think you're looking at what will probably be a highly choreographed, very awkward event. The question coming out is... Will Paul Ryan then endorse Donald Trump? He's given some indication in, in recent days that he is going to do that. There
2: is plenty of room for different policy disputes in this party. We come from different wings of the party. The goal here is to unify the various wings of the party around common principles so that we can go forward unified.
1: But we'll see. You know, he is not the only Republican who has said that Trump effectively has to earn his endorsement as the campaign goes along. There's a remarkable thing you're talking about. Donald Trump is the the new leader of the Republican Party. Paul Ryan is certainly number two right now. And you have this this split that it's unclear if it's going to be resolved. So a
2: kumbaya moment for the cameras, uh, no doubt, but then uh, interesting interpersonal relationship. And remember, Ryan is supposed to chair the convention um, if, if Trump
1: wants that, I suppose, in Cleveland. And, and Trump has said he, he does want him there. He was a little more equivocal when he gave an interview on Sunday about that question. <laughs> We're talking about awkwardness tomorrow, talking about awkwardness at the convention. If Paul Ryan is the chair and he is yet to Endorse the Republican presidential nominee. Again, this is a a big question mark. I will say, I think a lot of people do believe Paul Ryan will come around, uh, that there will just be too much pressure on him to try to unify the party uh, against Hillary Clinton. But even if he does offer an endorsement in the short term, Let's see what he says about Donald Trump as the campaign continues, particularly when Trump says whatever's next, uh, whatever his next controversial statement is. How does Paul Ryan weigh in on that? They'll be interesting to watch.
2: And and what about the other Republican leaders? How comfortable are they, even acknowledging Trump's power over the
1: party? They're wary for two reasons. One, uh, ideological, um, and this is the reason a lot of hardline conservatives oppose Trump. And this was someone who, on the Sunday shows, talked about you know, raising taxes on the rich, which is a real anathema to the Republican Party. Now, he has since walked that back, I I think, probably, probably unconvincingly to some uh, of these conservatives. So they're the ideological concerns. There are also the electoral concerns and the electoral concerns that with him at the top of the ticket, that the Senate Republicans are really going to struggle to hold their majority and that maybe even the impenetrable House majority for Republicans might be at risk with Trump and so there are a lot of political reasons to try to keep him at uh, arm's length in case things go south in his campaign, which the early polls indicate is certainly possible. Yes, and in the
2: meantime, Democrats, I mean, I don't even know if pouncing is the right word for this. I mean, they're just sort They've of pounced. laying – They have yes. have <laughs> I mean, this, this could not be more camera-ready
1: for them and their narrative. Uh, what are we going to hear from them? I mean, all we've heard from every Democratic candidate since uh, – Trump's Indiana victory has been about him every single press release, every single message from their leaders, uh, most of the digital and online ads um, and TV ads. It's just going to be more of the same. And and you're going to get that picture of Trump and Ryan together, presumably, uh, that House Democrats will show approximately three million times between now and Election Day. (laughs) The same with uh, Senate Democrats and Mitch McConnell. There is a picture. I mean, this is just a golden opportunity for Democrats. And I am sure they're just just giddy. Uh, It's like going to be like kids on Christmas morning uh, ready to, to try to seize the moment. Elsewhere on the Hill, lawmakers
2: are trying to respond to the fact that about 30,000 people a year now die of overdoses from prescription painkillers. The House is taking up a long list, and I do mean long, 18 small, narrow bills, maybe small isn't the word, but narrow are, that will be wrapped into a bigger package regarding opioid abuse. Health policy editor Rebecca Adams, why are they taking this approach when they could just do what the Senate did maybe and do one big bill?
0: Well, there's a couple of reasons for this. First, they want to be able to draw attention to some of the things that are in the bill. They want to have an individual vote on each one of these components. The House bill does a number of different things. It would create these opioid addiction programs, create grants for these programs. They want to draw attention to things like opioid addiction among veterans and military personnel, these people who come back from the war with these terrible wounds and need some sort of pain relief. There are different things that would be involved. They want to be able to show that when doctors prescribe opioids, they could also at the same time prescribe these anti-overdose drugs. That's one reason why, and they're going to wrap it, as you said, all into one package. So it wouldn't be too hard to come to agreement.
2: So a lot of individual votes. But it's curious because it's a busy year in health. They're dealing also with the Zika virus outbreak. They're dealing, uh, as they have in past years, trying to do mental health legislation. Is this opioid abuse uh, likeliest of all of the health bills to actually become law or at least get to Obama's desk?
0: I think it definitely is, is one of the bills that has the best chance of becoming law this year. We saw a very strong bipartisan vote in the Senate. The Senate, passed it in March by 94 to 1. And the House bills that have been voted on so far, those have passed unanimously or almost unanimously. So there's very little opposition to these bills. We expect that some of the other bills would have more hurdles, frankly, because there are more complex issues at risk in those bills.
2: Whereas this is, uh, not to oversimplify it, but a lot of this is throwing money at a problem, further identifying the problem as such.
0: Well, in one sense. Um, They don't actually appropriate money for this, but they do sort of say that these kind of grant programs can be provided. And so it's simple in the sense that it's a very defined problem and it's a pretty modest bill. It doesn't have a huge impact in the sense that it doesn't go out and create a ton of new, brand new programs that are very expensive or that would upend what's already being done.
2: Now, it should be pointed out, uh, another reason there's momentum behind this is that it's become a campaign issue, at least in some states. Uh, your staff has written about uh, opioid abuse bubbling to the surface at uh, at various uh, races. Rob Portman in Ohio, Kelly Ayotte in New Hampshire are, are framing it. How prominent is that among all the other issues that are out there?
0: I think it's getting attention. Pat Toomey also in Pennsylvania has been running campaign ads on this. I think it's something that is getting attention because it's affecting so many people from so many different socioeconomic classes. And it's, as you have mentioned, it's a a very deadly problem. The number of opioid addiction deaths has increased 200 percent since the year 2000. And people are very anxious. They want to get some sort of solution to this. So even though the solution that Congress has come up with is relatively modest, it's something that people can go out and say we're trying to do something about.
2: And they can get something done in an election year, so yes, counts for something. Yes. Health Policy Editor Rebecca Adams, thank you. My thanks also to senior political reporter Alex Rorty. I'm Adriel Bettelheim. Until next time, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at CQ Now, and you can download our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher.